I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today we're going to do something a little bit different on the You'll Hear It podcast. We're going to start what we hope is going to turn into a series of instrument spotlights. And today we are going to focus on one of my favorite instruments, the bass. The bass, yeah, truly the foundation of many jazz ensembles. And um, I'm excited. Now, do non-bass... sound that excited. No, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) I I mean, you know what? A great bass player is very calm and collected. That's true. Not easily excitable in terms of personality because they have to hold everything together. I'm trying to get in the mode here. It's kind of solid and boring is what you're going for. Exactly. (laughs) Now, do non-bassists need to press pause or skip of this episode or can they stay on? No, I don't think so at all. I just wanted to, 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 to make sure that we talk about the role of the bass. We talk about players we love, recordings we love, and hopefully that'll inspire some people to maybe think differently about the bass or, okay. or get into it. I like it. Yeah. Now, I would say if Christian McBride or Ruben Rogers or Robert Hurst or Rodney Whitaker, any great bass players are listening, please stop listening now because we don't want to contradict you. We are not bassists. We'll just say that. But we're going to do our best to talk about the bass. Yeah, maybe this should be titled uh, The Bass from a Pianist Perspective. I like it. Yeah, I like good. it. Okay, so I think the first thing you know, to really understand and appreciate about the bass um, is that foundational role it has in the ensemble. And I think that emanates not just from, you know, the register of the instrument, because yes, of course it's low, but I mean, a piano goes a little bit lower than the bass. Um, But I think it's from traditionally how within jazz and really just sort of modern music, groove music, whatever we want to call it, like the bass you know, forms the foundation of several important aspects of the music. The groove, you know, along with the drums, but really the bass, that rhythm section, I mean, that's the bass and the drums. Um, but then the bass is also playing, oddly enough, the bass line. That's right. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I don't you know, so the bottom of the harmony um, is it, that that foundation of the harmony really comes from the bass. We always think of the piano because we can play or the guitar play all the harmony. Um, but the bass, that establishes that bottom note that all the harmonic you know um, changes and progressions and everything rest on top of so they change just their one note that totally alters what we should be doing as you know harmonically as pianists it's kind of one of the cool things about the bass specifically in jazz it's kind of it's the it's the thing that sets jazz apart i think from other genres in the bass's you know pantheon of music is that how? What other form of music does the bass have that much control over the harmony? Yeah. Have that much control over the time and the yeah. groove? I mean, all all bass parts in all music, pop music or or whatever, classical music, yeah. help inform the harmony and help inform the grooves. But not not so much as in jazz, where they're playing either a two feel or walking four and getting into extensions. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully not too much from pianist's <laughs> right. perspective, so right, that we right. have a little freedom. We got that. We got that. We got that. <laughs> we got you covered. But but it really is uh, the tone and the, the palette setter of Ooh. the color of the, of the rhythm section. Palette center. Do you like, do you oh, like that? that? I love it. I love it. Right. So I think, you know, what goes along with that, you know, control and kind of um, really foundational domination almost that, mm. that a bass player can provide 
Um, what I've noticed that's interesting is the personality of great bass players in, in jazz, they're very dependable. They're like rock, rock steady. They're like the designated driver of the band. That's right. You know, they're, they're always there for you. Um, in, and, and even personally, I mean, I think about like Christian McBride and, you know, Esperanza Spaulding, right. um, um, Robert Hurst, all, all these great bass players that I've gotten a chance to play with and be around. Like they're actually, when you go and hang out, like they're the ones you can depend on. They're not going to like drift off or whatever. They're going to be there for you. Right, right. Um, and that's just sort of a part of their personality. And, and, and they're usually able to kind of fit that in with, uh, you know, the band situation in a really natural and organic way. Drummers. Can you know they? Well, we're going to do a separate episode on that. that yeah, right? we will do. Separate. We'll do drummers and everybody else. But <laughs> it is one of the. I mean, it's the characteristic of the instrument and its role in the music, right? Like it's such. It's it's the most supportive instrument. Yeah. Just by definition, by its role, it is. It is such a supportive castmate of the music that it's no surprise that the personalities that are drawn toward it are stable and supportive themselves, you right. know? And actually, it's one of the things I love about it and what I kind of, like, envy about bass players. Like, I was talking to this uh, drummer friend of both of ours, Montez, about, um, you know, this bass player we knew from a few years ago. And I won't say his name because now he's, like, really, really good. But at the time, <laughs> he was just starting out on the upright bass. He didn't know any tunes. He couldn't solo at all. But he had a quarter note that felt so grooving and so good that, I mean, he was getting all kinds of work. Right. Because, you know, that's all people really wanted from him, right? Like, right. it didn't matter if, like, it kind of became a train wreck when he would ever solo. So, whatever. You just don't let him solo that much. But, like, the music always felt awesome. And right. I and he wouldn't drop a beat. Wouldn't drop a beat. I remember beat. that. Like, it Still just, doesn't. It just feel, It just sounds like how it should sound all the time fits the role fits, fits the, role. the role perfectly yep. like and I, I i definitely envy that part of that that supportive element of it you know well i think that you know for, for musicians no matter what instrument you play the closer you can align um that part of your personality with the personality that's kind of needed or has developed you know within the role of your instrument within jazz the closer you can get to that um the better you can really exploit the possibilities of totally. yourself in this music you know it's not to say that you can't create something new and like you think about bass players like Jaco Pastores yeah. who uh, really and, and you know went into another direction but he also had that foundational thing and he definitely had the time and groove thing but then he took it to another place personality wise well think about those mega bass stars you just mentioned Christian McBride and Bob Hurst and all these I mean they have that thing first and foremost, right? right? They have right. that hump. They have that feel right. that, that sort of, you know, that makes them who they are. Right, right. Um, another thing I was thinking about that, you know, kind of specific to the bass within jazz that I, that I love and have always admired is, you know, I think the bass has been developed within jazz and then later, you know, within R&B and, and pop and funk and all the things that kind of came out of jazz you know, these, these, this music has used the bass in greater detail and exploited it in more ways than any other music. I mean, if we think about classical music, I mean, there's great music written for the bass, but it's much more limited, and the role is much more limited. I mean, it's certainly used in, in orchestras, and it's a wonderful thing. But, yeah. I mean, it's really come front and center in jazz, yep. whereas, and, and as far as being one of the European classical instruments. Whereas if you look at the piano, of course, it's done amazing things within jazz, but it's been 
really exploring within classical music amazingly as well. Exactly. Or like the trumpet, you know, there's been many, many different things. But like the bass, it seems like it's kind of hit its highest peaks within jazz. And um, that's, a, that's a cool thing. I totally agree. I mean, I, I can't think of a genre where the acoustic upright bass is used in a more effective or more leadership or more equal role to all the other instruments. It's, yeah. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah, so uh, let's get into some of our favorite players and recordings. I mean, for me, when I think about the sound of the bass, I think about really three people from sort of, you know, the, the 20th century um, as far as feels that I connect with, and that's Ray Brown, Paul Chambers, and Ron Carter. And those to me are, I mean, I know they're kind of like three sides of a very yeah. crazy feeling coin, yeah. but like those to me are like the, the, the Mount Rushmore yeah. uh, bass sounds. Well, and probably the, the three most influential, well, you said Ray Brown, Paul Chambers, and Ron Carter. And Ron Carter. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. the three most influential of all these younger bass players totally. we talked about. I mean, there's many more, there's too. There's tons could, more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Pettiford, uh, Jimmy Blanton from right here in St. Louis, I believe. Oh, man. But that's really going back to the, the origins. Mingus, obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, Jocko. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like in jazz, I mean, like we've really, you know, connected with the bass in a way. I'm, I'm very proud of this music and what it's done with this really difficult. Inst- I mean, in a lot of, you know, in classical music, it was just it. I, I always felt like, and until later, and, and you know, jazz kind of informed this back to classical music in a way. It was almost this feeling from the repertoire that the bass was just a limited instrument. You know, right. like there's only so far you could take it. Whereas jazz players, and I mean, you talk about Jimmy Blanton maybe was the first one that, I mean, I'm not an expert on bass history, but from what I've heard and, and read to really technically and, and solo-wise and in terms of lines really start to go crazy on the instrument in a way that people thought couldn't be done. Do you have any favorite recordings of the bass that come to mind, like, off the top of your head? Well, there's a bunch. You know, one, when, as soon as you mentioned Ray Brown, I was thinking, like, you know, I love these recordings that are not necessarily, I mean, you know, his trio recordings, like, yeah, in the yeah. 90s, yeah. you know, with, you know, like, Greg Hutchinson and Jeff Keyser totally. and Benny Green yeah. are amazing. And then, of course, the recordings, you know, like, Night Train with Oscar Peterson. And the record he made of all the bass players or whatever? was that, like, Christian? Bass players are my best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that's amazing. great. It's on Telarc. But for me, Ray Brown, like, what really comes to mind when you say favorite recording is one he did on Pablo, a, a duo recording with Duke Ellington. Uh-huh. And I want to say it was, like, 1974 or something. I had to check, but... It was, um, it's called This One's for Blanton. And they did a lot of, you know, the stuff that Jimmy Blanton originally recorded. But I mean, Ray Brown, and it's duo, so it's no drums. And first of all, Duke Ellington is just like, it's one of my favorite just piano recordings. Now, I don't know this recording. Man, it's, we're, we're going to listen to it next. You'll hear it, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but nice. podcast's not over, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, like, it's some of the just clearest, most mature I mean, you can't even say it's some of the most in-tune Ray Brown because he always played in tune. But right. it's just the recording is great. Like, his soloing is just masterful. Yeah, and yeah. it's so precise but so inspired at the same time. You know, you know to me, Ray Brown, it's kind of like Ella Fitzgerald. You know, they were married and, and had a son. Um, and they were married for a little while. And, like, they remind me of each other in some ways And that Ella Fitzgerald, the only thing I've ever heard criticized uh, about her is that like well she sang too much in tune and she was too perfect and her time was too good and her diction was too good and she nailed the lyrics too well i was like wow sounds like a pretty good singer to yeah, me yeah. you know like well you know billy holiday had more of a vibe and you know so it's like with ray brown it's like okay yeah he always played in tune and some people like he was too clean but you don't even hear that from bass player like i've ne- not even a I bad know. bass player tries to say that about well, people ray it's brown. funny because people try to people sometimes say that about oscar peterson right yeah it's like long time yeah. collaborator like oh yeah. it's too clean and what is it 
this the Jazz Olympics? Or I've heard, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, yes, yeah. he won. And he won the gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Ray's playing on, um, this one's for Blanting. Blanton is just, I mean, it's just incredible. We're going to listen to it right after this, though. Uh, do you have any favorites as far as like Ron Carter? You're talking about Ron Carter and Paul. Yeah, Tenders? I mean, you know, for me, that whole Miles second quintet with, yeah. with Ron and Tony, the feel of, I mean, it just feels so airy, that groove of those two together. Yeah. And, you know, Ron doing those like double stops all the time and creating these like harmonic vibes. Uh, to me, that, that is um, the peak of how the bass could be recorded and, and, and a part of a modern jazz rhythm section um just an amazing amazing musician amazing person yeah i mean i think ron carter actually with that i mean they everybody in that group had their you know their their big influence on the sound of course um but a lot of people give credit to herbie for harmonically opening things up in wayne and, and i mean they were amazing but i think in a lot of ways ron like if you listen to his progression from like you know, four and more by Funny Valentine right. that period right. up to like live at the plug nickel. Yeah. Like he's kind of opened up almost more than everybody. Like he seems like he opened it up for everybody. Imagine the plug nickel without Ron Carter. Yeah. It no, would be just, totally different. I mean, it yeah. would not at all feel that way. And like on My Funny Valentine, four and more, that concert, he's very like, I mean, very suggestive with some interesting things and substitutions, but keeps it pretty close to the vest in terms of. Um, like, you know, harmonic movements and stuff, like really logical, accurate bass lines and stuff, whereas Plug Nickel, he's really expanded things and opened things up for everybody. And, and I mean, his harmonic interplay, you talk about the foundation of what he d- does underneath Wayne playing, like when Herbie's laying out, is just, just incredible. So, Who are your favorite bass players that are doing it today? Oh, man, I, you know, I think this is a great kind of golden age for bass. There's a lot, there, of, there's good a lot players, of really yeah. good bass players. And um, Ben Williams, who I just heard the last oh, few man. nights. Oh, man, he was so swinging. Yeah, and I mean, for, for the young players, although he's not that young anymore, but I mean, he's, you know, he's great. Um, I, I love Jamal. Um, Jamal Nichols. Jamal Nichols from here in St. Louis, St. Louis playing with guy. Gregory yeah, Porter. Yeah. Um, I love Esperanza Spalding. I think what, what she's doing, both in terms of her playing and the different ensembles, she's and even the theatrical things that she does. Yeah. But then I've heard her playing like with Joe Lovano in a real like trio without piano, like just, just swinging and old school stuff. Um, I mean, you know, Christian McBride is, is, you know, we've been friends since I first met him when he was 14 years old and I was 16. And so I've been hearing him and playing with him on, uh, you know, well, pretty much constantly since then in some form. So that's like, I would say he's like my big brother in the music, but then I'm like, wait, he's two years younger than me. How's, why is he like my, he's like my father, you know, it's yeah, the weirdest yeah, yeah. thing. But I mean, he's got that kind of understanding. I mean, forget about just bass playing, just music, just a, a, an encyclopedic knowledge of jazz and beyond. Um, and so, you know, of course I love, you know, his playing. I love Bob Hurst. I play with him a lot. I mean, I'm naming a lot of people I play with a lot. Yeah. So there's other great play, I you mean, know, Ruben Chris is, Thomas, Ruben Rogers. Good music. I mean, I, I think Ruben is, you know, among the, that, our generation of bass players in a lot of ways is the most, um, he takes the most chances in, in, in super interesting musical ways. Yeah. So like he, he really knows and understands the tradition but like he's constantly, I mean, you know what all those guys, all those guys and gals are though. I can't say that, but I, I mean, it, they, they, it's cool to, to hear their personalities. You that's know? right. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like, like there's Larry Grenadier who is like oh. same generation as Ruben kind of, yep. yep. but like has such a unique voice on the instrument. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Young, this is a great. Uh, Matt Brewer, who's, Matt who's Brewer. still, yep. you know, John the, Patitucci. I mean, you know, yeah, just me. a little older, but the same, still I mean, him and Bob Hurst, you know, I mean. I really think, I don't, I, I don't know, see, this is good. We haven't done any bass player jokes. 
this episode, and we really shouldn't because now we just named all these masterful There's musicians. There's nothing to joke about, man. I know. There, there really is nothing to joke about. You know? When we get to our viola episode, maybe. But yeah. for, now, for now, I would just have to say with the bass, you'll hear it. Dang. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. You can go to youllhearit.com to get more information, submit a question, or just say hello. Wait, you can do that? Absolutely. All right, and if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below. Thanks. Thanks.